Hello, welcome to another episode of Papa Bear Hikes. Hey everybody, let me start off by apologizing. And why am I apologizing? Because unfortunately, I'm only able to provide you with the second half of this, what I thought was a great interview. For a number of reasons, most notably, because I didn't give myself enough time to prepare. I had an appointment came in and just there was a technical glitch that I'm going to take responsibility for. I'm sure it was something I did that caused the first half of this audio to just not record properly. I did everything I could to try to edit it, save it, but nothing worked. The second half, though, is a good interview. You get to hear the second half of this this, this incredible woman and what she's done. Um, so let me start off by just telling you a little bit about her. Her name is Sarah Nicolai. She holds four fastest known time records. Yes, four of them. And they're all in the Adirondacks. And they're all unsupported. In this episode, we focus on the Northville Placid Trail, which she did in she did the 142 miles of it because there's been some changes in the trail. Like with most trails, there's constantly flux, fluctuation in, in how many miles it is because it's taken off road or private property rights are lost, but it's at 142 miles now. She did it in two days, eight hours, 39 minutes, and 23 seconds. And to give you an idea of... The challenge is it's 17,000 miles of vertical gain. So not exactly a flat, straight walk here. And anybody that's familiar with the Northville Placid Trail knows that the Northville Placid Trail, especially in the northern section, is just loaded with blowdowns. If you don't know what a blowdown is, it's where there's a group of trees that have fallen down across the trail and you have to navigate over them, through them, or around them. Our friend Sarah is a lifelong backpacker in the Adirondacks, but now we're going to let her tell the story. We pick up where I asked Sarah about how she went about preparing her food and resupply for this long but very short in duration trip, long mileage-wise, but short in duration. I want to thank Sarah for her patience and thank all of you for hanging in there and listening to what I think was a good episode or at least half episode. You planned out your, your menu and how did that work out for you? Did you find you had enough food? Yeah, it, it turned, it was perfect. Um, so what I did was there's a book called, um, I think it's burn and it's by Herman Ponser. It's about how humans, um, metabolize calories. So I took this very scientific approach to, um, calorie usage. And basically he says that you can't use more than two and a half times your, um, your, uh, what is it called? Your, uh, basal metabolic rate. So for me, I just did the math and I, that's how much I used. I would never suggest that anybody just do that without trialing it. Um, but for me, I trialed it on, uh, several, uh, fast packing trips, um, of, you know, two, three days, it worked great for me. And I can, I can really get my nutrition down to a science so that I'm not carrying more than I need. Um, but I'm also getting enough to, to keep me going and feeling good. You know, when you're looking, you're doing speed records, your gear becomes very important, right? Cause you don't want heavy, bulky gear. That's going to slow you down. Yeah. Are there any gear choices you want to share with us that were that in particular helped you with this? 
Yeah, sure. So I used um, just an ultimate direction. I think it was a 30 liter um, fast pack that I got on sale. Uh, worked for me. It was comfortable. Um, I used a an REI magma quilt. That was awesome. I loved it. I did not use any. Um, I only slept for one hour and 25 minutes. So comfort wasn't really my, um, you know, wasn't really so necessary, but I do, I did need to sleep when I needed to sleep. So, um, otherwise I wouldn't have even brought a a quilt. Um, so I just pretty much dropped, you know, when it was time when I needed to sleep, I just dropped on the ground, put my quilt over me. I had a, um, a, uh, uh, an emergency, uh, an emergency bag, an emergency bivy. Um, and I just slept on that with the quilt over me. Um, I had my 2.6 liter filters, so I never had to filter one thing into another. I just used them both at the same time and food. And that is pretty much it. My first aid kit was really just um, foot, foot care, um, supplies, because I know that the trail was wet. I knew I needed to take care of my feet. And that really was my, it turned out to be the biggest challenge was I had very, um, wet macerated feet the whole time, but I just took care of them and it was, it was fine. My approach to first aid in the wilderness is really, it, there's not much you can, you know, if it's, if, and I'm not talking about the big, um, you know, multiple month trips, but if I'm just out for a day or two, I don't need much for first aid because I'm going to get back to where I can treat any kind of wounds sooner than whatever I would have in my bag is really going to help me. So I just carry like a needle, um, some, maybe some, um, some wool to put in my, in my shoes, um, and that's pretty much it. And al- one alcohol pad. Yeah. I think that, you know, the approach to first aid is you're right. I mean, if, if it's that bad, you're getting off the trail and dealing with it, right? There's only so much you can deal with on the trail. Right. Exactly. Uh, and, and if it's a multi-week trip or multi-day trip, sometimes you could get bad blisters three days into a trip that are forcing you off the trail. There's nothing you're putting in your first aid kit, no matter how big it is, that's going to heal those blisters. You you need the rest of them. I mean, that's just one example of the first aid situations you can run into. Yeah. Yeah. I really became in the planning. I really got kind of, um, I knew that foot care was going to be just because I had done, done the trail a couple of times and just because of how wet it was. I knew what an issue it was going to be. So I tried lots of things and the, I, I can't recommend enough the Wuru, if that's the brand, but basically it's just raw wool, raw cleaned wool to wrap around your toes. Um, works so well um, for me at least. And also um, I use toe socks and whenever I have a blister now, for some people who are doing those multi-day trips, they don't, they won't pop their blisters because they're worried about infection. I go the opposite way. I, I open it up immediately. Um, I have my little alcohol pad and clean it. 
Yeah, I have the same approach. I look if you have you have the alcohol pad with you. I uh, I found these single use. Uh, I guess they're almost like you know, single use, single serve packet of A and D ointment. Mm-hmm. Or, um, I use that, clean it out real good. And yeah, but yeah the whole idea of waiting, I just think it's just going to get worse. Yeah, no, it just, just take care of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm out there a couple of days. It's, I don't really need to worry about it getting affected, infected on the trail and just get it done so much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Northfield Placid Trail has a lot of water, like lots of water you're going to be walking through you're not going to have dry feet on that trail from everything i've read at least you said that was your biggest challenge was foot care yes absolutely in addition to (laughs) to treating blisters or having a plan for treating blisters you know you talked about the different socks the shoes was there did you have a regimen during the day where you'd take off your shoes and dry out your feet or change out your socks to try to keep them dry no i actually did not take my shoes off for 40 hours. (laughs) Um, So what I did was I started with my feet really well taped. I can't recommend enough of the, um, the, you know, you've probably talked about it on your podcast before the book, fixing your feet. Oh yeah. Luco tape is what I use. Right. I like it better than moleskin. Yeah. Yeah. I use KT tape. Um, Mm -hmm. And the book by John Von Hoff, if you, you know, if, if you're planning along, um, a, 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 you know, any, any kind of long trail hike, I think it's a, it's a great thing to do because, uh, is, is to re- reference that book because, um, I taped my feet according to that book. I, you know, any place that wasn't taped, I had it lubed up, um, had them lubed up. I carried my needle um, some extra tape. Um, but I was moving so fast that I didn't want to have to retape. So I used the wool. Um, but all of those things are, you know, I think hugely helpful just for keeping your feet comfortable. Um, the other, I don't want to say that the, the trail, so my feet were wet because the first day what it was raining and then I hit water. You can actually go very large sections of that trail without getting your feet wet at all. Um, And so, you know, it isn't really just a big, long, you know, slog through mud, although there is a lot of it. Um, I think people get kind of, they will uh, underestimate how long the miles take on the trail, not just because of the the mud, but it's also the blowdown and the rocks. It's just a very, you know, technical trail to be, to move, to be moving along, especially if you have a big backpack to carry. So they tend to be slower miles than, you know, your typical West coast um, or Appalachian trail type, type trail. And Sarah, I've read about that where people who have through hiked the Appalachian trail, for example, underestimate what the Northville plastic could throw at you. Yeah. Yeah. It's much more wild. Um, I have not hiked the Appalachian trail, so I can't really, I'm not going to be able to really compare too much, but um, Northville plastic trail is tremendously wild. And that's what I love so much about it. Um, Once you go out there, you're, you're, 
you are in nature. There are very few road crossings. Um, there are very few places that you, you know, you can just like get out into civilization without walking miles and miles. Um, you're, you're in it. Um, and to just be able to immerse yourself so deeply is a really special thing to do. The Adirondack Park is, you know, one of the, <laughs> the biggest, um, public parks in all of the country. And so when you're deep in it, you're, you're in one of the most wild spaces in, in the United States. Now I live in New York state and it is absolutely beautiful up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so gorgeous. Um, I, I never get bored of that trail. I just, I keep going back out on it. It it's, you know, like, like all trails, it is different every time you go out because of, you know, the fact that nature is always changing it, the fact that you have the different seasons, but this one even more so because it's so, uh, it's just so wild that you don't have, you don't have constant, constant foot traffic. Um, the trail stewards do an amazing job of, of, um, of, of caretaking, but they're, you know, there's, there's blowdown. It's, there's no possible way to keep this thing civilized. Well, yeah, there's only so many people and these are volunteers for the most part that go out and do this. And you t- all it takes is one storm and you've got a bunch of blowdowns you're navigating. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just part of it. It's, it's, I, a friend of my, a coworker, uh, actually just, uh, did 93 miles on the trail, um, this two weeks ago. And he said that he had really underestimated how much time it would take. And I realized that if I could tell anyone planning to do it, the one thing is just, you know, recognize that it's going to take time and see these things like blow down in the mud as just an essential part of the experience. It's if, if you're going at it with the mentality that, you know, oh, it's another thing in my way. Oh, it's, you know, then you're not really going to enjoy it. But if you can see that you're really just, you're not ever going to be in your life in a place, you know, much more wild than this. And to just be able to stop and experience that fact um, is pretty amazing. We'll be back after a quick break. You ever think about what might be in the water you're drinking every time you fill up your water bottles while you're in the outdoors? I try not to, and I really don't because I use Sawyer water filters. Sawyer filter technology, because of their high standards, every filter is individually tested three times through their process. I've been using their permethrin product for years now to protect me from, well, quite frankly, ticks and the picaridin to keep the flies at bay. Don't let bad water, insects, or a tick bite cut your trip short or even ruin it. Use Sawyer products. Go to your local outdoor retailer and ask for Sawyer products, whether it's a water filter, insect repellent, they're likely to have it. You can also go to Sawyer's website and read more about these incredible, high-quality products that they offer those of us who enjoy the outdoors. Sarah, you had been out on the Northfield Placid Trail a number of times. You were familiar with it. Did you have any of those times where you got to like maybe a second or third blowdown and, and you know you need to finish? You're looking for the, the to do this in a certain time. You want to do the, you want to achieve this fastest known time. Were there points where you were saying, Oh, I can't believe another blowdown. I gotta go around another blowdown? Um no, I could never let my mind do that. That's just a game that I couldn't play. Um I did, I was having really strong hallucinations. <laughs> so, um, 
that's more, that was mainly the men, the, the kind of mental challenge that I was dealing with is, um, after I, my sleep strategy was to only sleep once I had gotten into the second night. So I started around 6am. I ran all the way through the night, ran through into the next day. And then I slept for the first time around 11 PM the following day for an hour. And um, an hour and 20 hour, 15 minutes. And, um, so I was seeing, it's interesting. My brain was making, um, kind of houses and cars, and it was just giving me familiar things to see so that I, it was, it was helping me. It was making me feel comfortable. Um, and so that was really cool, but I also needed to make sure that I knew what reality was. So I, if I saw a blowdown, I was thinking, okay, blowdown, walk over it. I wasn't thinking, oh no, another thing in my way. It's just part of the journey. <laughs> it's just part of the journey. Right. Yeah. And it's funny, yeah. you bring up hallucinations. I interviewed Jeff Germeyer, who I believe still holds the fastest known time for the long trail. And he had a similar experience people that go for these fastest known times, you're not getting much sleep out there, right? You're just going to take a little cat nap and then you're right back out there moving along. And and he had told me he, he had a similar experience while he was out there. Yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't, um, it wasn't bad. It wasn't a thing that was really scary or it was just uh, the, the brain, the brain wants to help you when you're doing that kind of really, really tremendous effort. And so it was just kind of giving me, I, I saw a lot of signs. I saw not signs that said anything, but just thing. my brain was making tree branches into those, you know, those Adirondack brown signs with the yellow writing. Mm -hmm. I just kept seeing them over and over. And that was my brain telling me, you're okay. You're going the right way. There's a sign. Just keep going. Sarah, these fastest known times, is this something you see yourself doing more of? Well, potentially. I think that one of the, an important thing that's happening right now is that there are more and more women who are attempting fastest known times and, and getting these fastest known times. Um, it was for a long time when you went to the boards, you would see these records for for trails held by men and then nothing. There are just no record whatsoever as if women weren't doing them. Um, and everybody knows that we're out on the trails too. It's not, it's not just men out there. And, um, and so I just think it's important that for every FKT, for every route that you see a man for, you know, where a man has an FKT, I think we should have women, um, a, a woman's name down there too. So, um, that was really the purpose of the first two FKTs that I got. My, my time was not really extraordinary in any way. I just happened, I went out and ran, um, Marcy sky and gray. Um, uh, I'm sorry. It was Marcy gray and skylight. Um, and then I ran the Kausharaga, uh, uh, trail. And I just saw that there were no, no women's names down for those FKTs. So I just put in for it. And since then, 
um, you know, much faster women uh, have 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 gotten their names down for that. So that's really cool. Um, for and so I just think you know, if I ever do a route and there's not there's no woman's name, I'll put in for it. If I ever do a route and I think I can get the time, then sure, of of course. Sarah, I applaud you. I think it it is important. These trails are becoming. We're seeing a much more diverse group of people out enjoying these trails. Finally. It's a, and it's a good thing. We're seeing more and more women out there through hiking, attempting fastest known times. And with your approach, I think it, I think it's nothing. It's it's nothing short of just inspiring. It's just telling people, hey, let's let's get out there and do this. This isn't a, a men's only club. This is something for all of us to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, and it's very safe. Um, that's one of the things that I get asked the most is, oh, well, you wait, you did that alone. You just wait, you just slept out there all by yourself. <laughs> I've had multiple people ask me if I brought a gun, which cracks me up. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, no, I wasn't going hunting. I was going for a hike or a run, but um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly safe. And everybody that I have ever met out on those trails, which I is I think the experience of most backpackers and trail runners is um, has been great and nothing but, but like a wonderful face to see when, you know, I needed to see a face. Sarah, will we see you attempt one of the big ones like the AT to do an unsupported fastest no time? No. So if I, those for the Appalachian trail, for the PCT, you have some of the most, the, the fastest humans over, over distance, um, in, in the world going for those. So if I did them, I would not be going for a fastest no time. I'm, I'm creeping up. I'll be 45 next month. So, um, I think probably those days are over. But um, I definitely, one of my goals in life is to just keep moving along these trails till, till I can anymore. Um, so the plan is to retire um, and then get out on the, on the long trails as much as I possibly can. When I do sign up for races, ultra races, I often will do them on um, the National Scenic Trails. And I just mark it down so that, you know, maybe over the course of my life, you know, it's a lot, but maybe over the course of my life, I can, I can complete all of the national scenic trails. Well, Sarah, I just think it's great that 45, you're out there chasing these fastest known times and yeah, who knows, maybe the time will come where you might want not, maybe not a fastest known time of one of these longer trails, but where you just go out and smell the roses, as they said, right? Because you, exactly. you started out as a backpacker. So you understand that as well. You get that part of it just as much as the fastest known time part of it. Oh yeah. And, and they're two very different experiences. I love the experience of setting up camp at the end of the night and, and just feeling that exhaustion and sinking down into your sleeping bag. <laughs> you definitely don't get that when you're, when you're uh, going for, you know, going for fastest times. There's opportunities to baby yourself a little bit, go into town, hang out. Yeah, right. those are amazing. Hey, Sarah, do you have any social media that people can follow you on or that you want to share? Or if not, we'll just go to the, fa there's a fastest known time website where I think you can look up all these trails, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I actually just started an Instagram account with my running because nobody wants to see me and pictures of my cat. 
Um, so uh, it's Sarah in the Woods uh, All right. Instagram. All right. We'll make sure we put that link in the description so we could follow your adventures and see what you're okay, out there great. doing. Sarah, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this with us. I think that this is just, I think what you're doing is inspiring. I think what you've done with these fastest known times is, is incredible. Sarah, thanks so much for coming on and sharing all this with us. Oh, thank you. I had a great time. Same here. Everybody get outside, have some fun and be safe. Thanks for listening. If you haven't done so yet, go to our website, pommelbearhikes.com. Listen to past episodes. Check us out on social media. Go to our YouTube channel, Martin Outside. All those links are there. In addition to that, you can buy our book or see what you're missing out on if you're not a Patreon member yet. Remember to get outside, have fun, and be safe. This episode of Pop Bear Hikes has been brought to you by Avalon Publicity. Avalon Publicity, increasing the digital footprint of content creators and skilled professionals via website development and social media services. For more information about Avalon Publicity, go to their website, avalonbusiness.org. That's avalonbusiness.org.